to build, what to build. Oh, come on, Lucy. Wow, you're a builder. You're a maker. You're a... <gasps> I got it! Tool call. Hammer. Hammer. Wrench. Wrench. Drill. Drill. Great job, Kapow. Great job, Kapow. Oh, no, wait, that's me. Great job, Lucy Wow. Oh, brother. Now all we have to do is turn this thing on. Let the show begin. Oh, hi there. It's me, Kapow, the mechanical pygmy goat, beaming into your ears all the way from Pflugerville. You know, as Lucy Wow's sidekick, I get to help her build and invent all sorts of things. But there is one thing in common with everything we create, and that's that it comes from curiosity. If we weren't curious, we'd never wonder if there was a better way, or a more fun way, or a more delicious way to do things. Without curiosity, we'd just sit around all day and never change the world. But lucky for us, it's easy to be curious because the world is fascinating, and everywhere you look, there is something cool. But while we can all be curious, there have been few people as curious as today's inventor, Jean Villebrou Power. Jean was a 19th century French marine biologist. That means that she studied all the life that lives underwater. In marine biology circles, Jean is known as the mother of aquariophilie. That's because she was the woman who invented the world's first aquarium. Oh. That's right! Before Jean, there was no such thing as an aquarium, big or small. But first, let's go back to the start. Jean Philippou was born on September 24, 1794, in a rural village in France. She was the oldest child of a shoemaker and a seamstress. Jean had a basic education and stopped going to school when she barely knew how to read or write. But what she lacked in education, she more than made up for with determination and curiosity. For example, when Jean was 18 years old, she became curious about fashion. She walked all the way to Paris, that's over 250 miles, to see if she could become a dressmaker. 250 miles later, with two very sore feet, she got the job of being the assistant of a society dressmaker. Society in this case means the rich and famous of Paris. It turned out that Jean wasn't just good at walking, she was also good at dressmaking. She studied and practiced and worked and worked and worked until she got the chance to design the wedding gown for Princess Caroline, a Sicilian princess who in 1816 married the Duke of Berry. If I was going to be a duke, I'd be the Duke of Strawberry. Yum. Anyway, while making this wedding gown, Jean met James Power, a rich English nobleman, merchant, and trader. They got married in Sicily, where they lived for more than 20 years. It was soon after her marriage that Jean became curious about natural history. Now you know what happened when Jean got curious. She started walking. She walked all over Sicily and taught herself to be a naturalist, which is a person who studies everything in nature. She recorded and described its flora, all the plants and trees, and also collected specimens of minerals, fossils, butterflies, and shells. 
she became extra curious about shells and ended up studying all the fishies in the sea. In 1839, Jean published her first book, Physical Observations and Experiments on Several Marine and Terrestrial Animals, which she shared her research about a species similar to hermit crabs. Talk about a crabby writer! In 1840, Jean and her husband decided to move from Sicily to Paris. Tragically, most of her marine collections, written records, and other scientific materials were lost in a shipwreck during the move. With her life work sinking down to the bottom of the ocean, she was going to have to start over. But she was too curious about new things to go backwards. So instead, she moved on to new projects. One of these was the aquarium. She was the first person in the world to create aquarii for observing and experimenting with aquatic organisms. Before her, people would guess about what happened under the water, but they could only see what was happening for as long as they could hold their breath, which for me is like this. How'd I do? Jean was too curious to accept this, so she bought some glass and got to work! And good thing she did, too! Think about it, because of Jean, we're able to study fish without having to swim out in the ocean to find them! You can now spend hours, days, lifetimes studying the world that we live in because Jean was curious! Jean died on January 25th, 1871 and was forgotten for more than a century after her death. Then, in 1997, her work was rediscovered. Scientists were so impressed with her work that they wanted to give her a fitting tribute. So, they named a major crater on Venus after her. I think Jean would approve of exploring space, don't you? Jean didn't have a lot of advantages in life. She didn't have a fancy education, and she lived during a time where women weren't supposed to be scientists. But Jean was too curious to let any of that stop her. She was curious about the world, and because of that, she changed it. So tell me, what are you curious about? Hello, dear citizens of the world. I'm Guy Neville, or perhaps you know me better by my superhero name, Guy-O-Matic. Protector of Pflugerville. I know, it's a pretty cool superhero name. Being cool is one of my superpowers. Anyway, for today's act of harrowing heroism, I'm subbing in for Kapow, the mechanical pygmy goat, to talk to you about the art of super invention. People often say to me, Kyomatic, I want to be just like you, but I don't have any awesome superpowers. But they're wrong. Everyone has superpowers. Even you. You have the power of imagination, the power of creation, the power of invention. And with powers like these, you can change the world. But hey, don't just take my word for it. There's tons of examples. Let's look at an invention that turned an everyday teenager into a time-traveling hero. I'm talking about the one and only flux capacitator-powered time machine from Back to the Future. But before we go to the future, let's go back to the past. In 1955, Dr. Emmett Brown, or Doc Brown, was a struggling inventor looking for a great idea. He tried and tried, but nothing he built ever became popular. Then, on November 5th, Doc Brown slipped and bumped his head while standing on his toilet to hang a clock. He was knocked out while he fell, 
and while unconscious, he had a vision. A vision of a machine. As soon as he woke up, he drew a picture of his vision. It was an upside down Y with wires. In his vision, this device would allow a person to travel in time. Now this picture didn't make sense to anyone else, but to Doc, it was beautiful. It was so beautiful that he became obsessed with turning that picture into a real working machine. He spent years and most of his family fortune trying to turn the idea into a reality. And after almost 10 years, he did it. He invented the temporal field capacitator, or in other words, a time machine. The only problem was his invention could only send objects forward through time, but not backward. Going back in time would cause a buildup of what he called flux energy, which would heat up the object and start an electrical fire. Don't worry, he didn't test it on people. Doc knew he was close, so he kept working until he solved the problem of flux energy buildup. The answer was a machine called the flux capacitator, a device that stored energy in a field around an object rather than touching it, similar to the way a cloud holds water above us so that we don't get wet. This energy could be released as needed in a very short period of time to propel someone to their next destination, making Doc Brown now able to travel to the past as well as the future. Now, in order for the time machine to work, it required a lot of power. So Doc placed the device behind the passenger seat of a car that would create power by driving fast. Not just any car, he used a DeLorean which is a car that has a unique steel frame that actually works like a conductor, helping channel the power of speed into electricity. Ah. That would allow for the energy to be released for time travel. But the machine was heavy, and the DeLorean needed extra power with it on board. So Doc used a plutonium-powered nuclear reactor for the car's engine. Unfortunately, for the time machine's return trip from 1955 back to 1985, Plutonium was not available, so he connected a lightning rod to the machine. Since plutonium and lightning are both hard to find, Duck eventually invented the Mr. Fusion home energy generator that was powered by removing hydrogen atoms from garbage. The time machine had gone from running on nuclear power to lightning to garbage. Expensive to cheap, now that's progress. Doc Brown had invented a machine that allowed people to travel through time, which is a pretty cool superpower. But that didn't make him a hero. When you invent something that gives you superpowers, you have to make sure those powers are used for good if you want to be a superhero. So when a guy named Biff started using flux capacitator-based time travel for evil, Doc Brown and his partner Marty McFly traveled through time to make things right again. You see, a super invention, just like a superhero, is never finished until it has made the world a better place. Oh, hi there! Welcome back to Pflugerville! It's me, Kapow, the mechanical pygmy goat, beaming into your ears all the way from Lucy Wow's barn. You know, being Lucy Wow's psychic is a lot of fun, but also a lot of work. Every day is a new adventure in building and invention. But luckily, I've mastered the art of the power nap, which means I still have plenty time for projects of my own, like... Uh, 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 uh. Uh, ah, huh? What happened? No, oh, 
Sorry, power nap! <laughs> Where was I? Oh, right! My special side project. This podcast dedicated to my favorite subject, invention. Why is invention my favorite subject? Well, because I am an invention. That's right. Lucy Wow invented me in order to add a little kapow to her wow. Speaking of wow, the story of today's inventor is wow and a half. Let's see, I guess that would be a wow wow. This inventor's name is Paul Wilczynski. He invented the artificial heart. But hey, I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's start at the beginning. Paul was born in New York City on December 21st, 1922. His grandparents were Jewish immigrants from Europe. As a child, Paul wanted to become a doctor, but the Depression, which was a time when people across the world lost all their money, wiped out any chance of his family paying for medical school. Then, at age 13, Paul contracted polio, a very serious disease that could have killed him. Luckily, Paul survived the disease. And while recovering, he happened upon a magazine advertisement offering a ventriloquism kit for 10 cents. Now, ventriloquism is the art of talking without moving your lips. Ventriloquists use this skill to make it seem like puppets or dummies are talking. Like the Muppets, for example. Now, it's very important that a ventriloquist's dummy's eyes and mouth can be moved by a single hand. The best way of making this work is by using a system of valves and chambers that connect to the ventriloquist's fingers. Remember that detail. It'll be important later in the story. Paul became obsessed with this new skill, and soon he had created his own dummy. Paul named his creation Jerry Mahoney and started putting together a comedy act that used his newly acquired ventriloquism abilities. Paul and Jerry became a hit, and by the age of 14, Paul started touring across America, making people laugh. Paul and Jerry were so popular on stage that they got asked to be on the radio and then TV. By the 1950s, Paul and Jerry had their own TV show, The Paul Winchell and Jerry Mahoney Show, sponsored by Tootsie Roll. Yum. In 1968, Paul started doing voices for cartoons. Now, I don't know about you, but I think voice actors are the coolest people in the world. And Paul was the coolest of the cool. He did voices for all sorts of characters, from Gargamel and the Smurfs to Tigger and Disney's Winnie the Pooh. Ooh. Paul was now a part of Hollywood, and that got him invited into a TV competition show where he beat another TV star, Ricardo Maltoban, in a dance-off. Why do I mention this little moment? Because this dance-off led to a dinner party invitation, and at that meal, he was introduced to Dr. Henry Heimlich, a man known for inventing a maneuver that stops people from choking. The two men hit it off, and Heimlich invited Paul to come watch a surgery he was performing the next day. Paul had never forgotten his dream of becoming a doctor, and so he went, and while watching the surgery, Paul had the idea for an artificial heart. But Paul wasn't a doctor, of course. But remember how I told you a dummy works by using valves and chambers to move the eyes and mouth? Well, the heart works with valves and chambers too. So Paul tried building an artificial heart in his dummy workshop. With a lot of hard work and the help of Heimlich, Paul was successful. By 1956, he had designed the world's first artificial heart. Paul couldn't believe his success and was inspired to continue trying to save lives through invention. 
During the course of his life, he would work on projects for the Leukemia Society and the American Red Cross. It's fitting that Paul invented the heart because he had such a big one. He truly cared about making the world a better place. And it was this belief that led Paul to never stop trying new things. Paul's story just goes to show if you want to make the world a better place, it's always worth a try. And always say yes to a dance-off. Well, folks, we've come to the end of another Kapow's Power of Invention podcast. Come back tomorrow when I'll be covering more inventors and inventions. And while you're waiting, you do realize there are just a slew of shows that take place in Pflugerville, right? It's true! There's Bobby Wonder, who's trying to protect Pflugerville from Mighty Mila, and Lucy Wow over in the Big Red Barn, inventing all sorts of cool stuff with her mechanical pygmy goat Kapow. Hey, that's me! Lucy goes big, and then she goes bigger! Oh, and if you like strange and spooky stories, you should check out R.L. Stein's Story Club. That's a real winner. I'm in the club, so I get to hear all the stories. And you can too! Keep on the lights, folks! Just search for Bobby Wonder, Lucy Wow, or R.L. Stein's Story Club, wherever you get your podcasts, and you'll find your way. I get a lot of excitement as Lucy Wow's sidekick. Sometimes it overwhelms me and I just... Well, you know, faint! Well, today I got the most exciting news, and I, and I, oh, easy kapow, deep breaths, <laughs> don't faint! <sighs> I'm on a t-shirt and a hoodie and a sticker, and I'm famous! The most famous mechanical pygmy goats ever live! Go to gokidgo.com and check me out! Lucy Wow merchandise is now available, and you know you need more kapow in your life! Until next time, this is Kapow signing off! Go Kid Go! Go Kid Go!